Welcome to the podcast of Destiny Community Church. Today we are concluding our series called Blank Phobia, and we're looking at the different types of fears that stir up inside of you. These are your phobias. The first week we realized that we may be too comfortable with Jesus sleeping in the back of the boat and our fears are conquered when we let the Jesus that's in us rise up, awaken, and speak peace be still to our storms. And then the second week we looked at the 23rd Psalm and specifically the phrase that David used, even though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil for you are with me. David clearly understood that there are some fears that are just not real. They're just shadows, but they're looming over our lives. The enemy has these hovering over our lives to intimidate us. These are assumed fears. They're not real. And then last week, we looked at the healthy mechanism of concern that God gave each of us. It's good to have healthy concerns, but we just have to make sure that those concerns do not turn into unhealthy fear. Jesus warned us in Matthew chapter 6. He said, uh, he challenged us not to be pulled apart or torn into pieces. He said that you can't serve two masters. And we know that we cannot serve both God and fear. Amen? Fear does not get to sit on his throne. Amen? And so we've looked at assumed fears. We have learn how to deal with our actual fears. And then today I want us to look at what it means to be in awe, in, in, in fear, in awe of God. This past week, one of my former students from when I was a youth pastor, his name is Brian. And Brian posted a video to Facebook of people that were afraid to jump from high places. Um, many of the, the video, it's funny to watch actually. And in the background, there's a motivational speech by Will Smith. I didn't hear any of that because I'm scared of heights. And so I'm watching these people and some of them, they're coming up to the edge of like a high dive, a, a big diving board. And they're coming up to the edge and they're just terrified, terrified to make that leap. And others are jumping off cliffs. And, and so I'm watching it. And, and just reliving some of the moments in my life where I've been a little afraid. But, but Brian tagged me in this video, and he said that the video reminded me, or reminded him of me. And some of you know this story, but he was referring to July of 2005. In July of 2005, I took a group of about 30, 35 students and chaperones to Arizona to run youth camps. And the day before the camps were to begin, we were in Sedona, Arizona. And the day before the camps were to begin, we find ourselves at a place called Slide Rock. And Slide Rock is a, a beautiful place. It's, a, it's got a natural water slide that comes down the mountain where, and, and it's just, the rock is smooth. It's an amazing place. But we didn't spend much time on the actual rock, the Slide Rock, because there is this cliff that's underneath a bridge and, and I'm watching as some of our students are climbing up there and jumping off and some chaperones are going with them. And so I thought to myself, well, I will not be outdone. I'm going to climb up to the top of this cliff also, and I'm going to jump off. And so I climbed up to the top of the cliff and uh, you can see me standing there in this photo. I'm the one with my arms crossed. Don't lust over my body. Um, I am standing there with my arms crossed and I'm, I, I am in deep concern in that moment. I am very concerned, and you can tell everybody else is inspecting the fall. They're, they're looking at it closely. And um, I'd love to tell you that I jumped. As a matter of fact, Brian jumped, his sister jumped, uh, half my youth group jumped, my wife jumped. <laughs> Three and a half hours later, 
I'm still standing on the ledge looking. And here's what happened. When I first got up there, I was ready to go. I, and I went running. And as I'm running, the, the, the rock was wet. And my foot slipped right before. And I grabbed the two guys next to me. I scared them half to death. And, and we, we all stop. And I'm looking down. And the way that the rock comes back in, it does the same thing under the water. So the rock goes back out. And you can see that you've got to clear a certain amount of distance. And I just didn't have the faith. I was fearful because I didn't think that I could make it that far, that I was going to slip as I was jumping. They told me that, that I could just stand here and jump and I would clear it. But I never did. Three and a half hours I stood there. Listen to me. People, hundreds of people, my wife, she, she can testify to this. Hundreds of people were in this canyon asking, who's the guy that won't jump? And at one moment, hundreds of people in the canyon start chanting my name, Rocky, Rocky. People I don't know, they're cheering for me to jump. And Mandy says, he'll do it now. I know he will not be outdone. And I didn't do it. I didn't do it. One guy, one guy near my wife said, who is this moron? And my wife said, that moron is my husband. And I couldn't do it. I could not. I, I don't jump off cliffs. I don't jump out of perfectly good airplanes. Don't see a need for that. I will never walk a tightrope. I promise you. With or without a net. I will not walk a tightrope. I respect the consequences of falling from a high altitude. And for my entire life, I have had a healthy fear of heights. I call it healthy because a fear of heights can keep you from dying. And, and so that's healthy, right? And so it's a healthy fear. And my fear of heights created a respect that I believe has kept me safe. In the summer of 2011, Mandy and I went to Gatorland in Orlando with some residents uh, from a, a place here in, in Newberry called Misty Meadows. And some of you will remember we had a number of the residents that were coming to church here. And this home is for intellectually challenged uh, people. Um, many of them have Down syndrome. And so Mandy and I, we, we made the journey down to Orlando. One of them, he was celebrating his birthday and his dad was part owner at the time of Gatorland. And so they had us in a private area and we're, we're enjoying, we're partying and they had just constructed a new zip line throughout the park. I think it's something like 10 or 12 platforms. You climb up the first one and you just zip line to all of them. At one, one part, there's this swinging bridge. And uh, it, it, it's a cool place. And, and so I'm looking up and watching people zip line. And, and I made this statement at the little birthday party. I made this statement. I said, I've always wanted to do that. Now, when I said I've always wanted to do that, Here's what I meant. I've always wanted to kill a shark with my bare hands. But I never will. You understand that, right? When I said I've always wanted to do that, I've always wanted to walk barefooted across hot coals. But I'm not going to. I know that. I know this full well. I will never do that. I've always wanted to swim with killer whales. Remember when they used to do that at, at, at SeaWorld? They used to swim with killer whales. And I was always amazed by that. You know, put my feet on their nose and let them launch me up into the air. You know, I, I want to do that. But I'm much more comfortable outside the tank just looking in. And so I never will. And now I don't even have the opportunity. So the temptation's not even there, right? But when I said I've always wanted a zip line, I didn't mean I've always wanted a zip line. It's more like a wish. I wish I had the courage to zip line is what I was saying. But this boy 
that we were celebrating his, his birthday, this young man, his father, half owner of Gatorland at the time, he is there with us and he hears these words come out of my mouth. I've always wanted a zip line. And he leaves the party area, goes over, he gets on his phone, and about five minutes later, he walks back over and he says, guess what? In one hour, you're ziplining. Me? <laughs> he said, yeah, I heard what you said. You always wanted a zipline. He said, I, I, I set it up for you. It's not going to cost you anything. You can go zipline. Thank you. <laughs> I think. I don't know. And sure enough, before I, I knew what was happening, I find myself watching an instructional video with people I don't even know. I'm in a group. I don't even know any of these people at all. I'm the only one from our birthday party that, that is ziplining. I don't know any of these. I'm going to die with people I don't even know. And, and, and I find myself suiting up. And, and here's a picture of me. If you want to know what terrified Rocky looks like, that's terrified Rocky right there. I'm scared. I'm telling you. Some of you are looking at it going, where's the beard? The beard, I, I had a full-grown beard at that moment. The fear inside of me just pulled it all back inside. It's like, you don't, you don't deserve to be a man. Just, you know. I was scared. Man, I'm telling you, I was terrified. That picture right there is just pure fear. And then we get up and we climb this platform. Now, one, it's, it's a lot of steps up to the top of this platform. I was out of breath when we got up there. So I'm really praying, God, let me die of a heart attack on the way up so I don't have to jump. You know? So we get up to the top, and I made everybody else go before me. I'm the last one. The instructor is there. He reaches up. He, he, he takes my strap. He locks me onto the zip line, and I'm holding on. Now all I have to do is jump. And, and all I can think of is slide rock. Slide rock. I got out of that one. I climbed down the back of those rocks, and nobody saw me. Maybe I can do this again. And then all of a sudden I hear from way down below the residents of Misty Meadows and they start cheering my name. Pastor Rocky, Pastor Rocky. I look down, the instructor looks down. He says, are you Pastor Rocky? I said, I am. I said, I can't disappoint them. I've got to do this. He said, do you want me to push you? I said, don't push me. We, we stood there for a few minutes and finally I got up the nerve and I jumped. I did. I did. This is what I looked like. Yes! It was exhilarating, guys. It was the most fun I've ever had. I, I, was, I was pumped. I was pumped up. I went from tower to tower after that initial jump. I loved it, man. I'm telling you, I was living life in that moment. I loved it so much that when I got home, I said, staff, on our staff day out this year, we're going to Gatorland. And they look at me like, what? We're going ziplining. I thought I was scared of heights. Until I watched Pastor Andrew on a zipline. That man is terrified of heights. Matter of fact, just before the last zip line, there's, there's that, that bridge that you have to walk across. And he got about halfway across the swinging bridge, and I'm on the other end, and I'm going. <laughs> He's terrified. So much so that a, a year later or so, we decided we were going to go to Ocala to zip the canyons, and we were going to do that one. And we were all suited up. We're going through the instructional video. 
Pastor Andrew sees some swinging bridges in the background and he starts praying for rain. <laughs> God hears him and a thunderstorm comes and we've never been able to zip line since. Never. You big sissy. I still respect heights, but my fear has turned into trust. You know, I, I realized I've never had a problem with airplanes. I, mean, I spent 12 hours flying from New York to Israel. That's a lot of time on an airplane. I've never had a problem with that. I, I trust the jet. I trust the airplane. I trust that it's going to stay in the air, that the equipment is going to work. And so I trust the right equipment, whether it's on a plane or a zip line. I trust the right equipment. I trust the right procedures. I trust that I will be protected from the fall that could lead to my death. I trust it. I want you to turn with me to Matthew chapter 10. Matthew chapter 10. As you're turning there, let me explain to you that the time had come for the disciples to be tested. Jesus is about to put the church in their hands. Soon he will put the church in their hands. And he has to be asking himself the question, you know, were they ready to lead the church that he was about to trust them with? Or... Are they going to run at the first sight of fear? The first thing that intimidates them, the first thing that fights against them. And so this is a test that Jesus is putting them through. This was a big day. And every big test, every big game, unfortunately we didn't have this yesterday, but, but it deserves a good pep talk, right? You need a good pep talk. Sorry, Gators. We'll, we'll come back, okay? It, it's a rebuilding year. It's been a rebuilding decade, but it's a rebuilding year. We'll keep going. So Jesus, like every good coach, he has this, this pep talk prepared. If I'm going to test you with this, if I'm going to throw you in this game, I'm going to send you out without me. I'm going to send you out. We're going to test this and see how this thing works out. So he's got this pep talk prepared, and I want you to listen to it because it's not your typical pep talk, okay? This isn't the, the hoorah speech here. Listen, Matthew chapter 10, verse 1. And he called to him his 12 disciples and gave them authority over unclean spirits to cast them out and to heal every disease and every affliction. Now go down to verse 5. These 12 Jesus sent out instructing them. So here comes the pep talk. You ready? He says, go nowhere among the Gentiles and enter no town of the Samaritans, but go rather to the lost sheep of the house of Israel. And proclaim as you go, saying, the kingdom of heaven is at hand. Heal the sick. Raise the dead, cleanse lepers, cast out demons. You receive without paying, give without pay. Acquire no gold or silver or copper for your belts. No bag for your journey or two tunics or sandals or a staff, for the laborer deserves his food. In whatever town or village you enter, find out who is worthy in it and stay there until you depart. As you enter the house, greet it. And if the house is worthy, let your peace come upon it. But if it is not worthy, let your peace return to you. And if anyone will not receive you or listen to your words, shake off the dust from your feet when you leave that house or town. Truly, I say to you, it will be more bearable on the day of judgment for the land of Sodom and Gomorrah than for that town. Listen to what he says here. He says, behold, I'm sending you out as sheep in the midst of wolves. So be wise as serpents and innocent as doves. Beware of men, for they will deliver you over to courts and flog you in their synagogues. 
And you will be dragged before governors and kings for my sake, to bear witness before them and the Gentiles. When they deliver you over, do not be anxious how you are to speak or what you are to say, for what you are to say will be given to you in that hour. For it is not you who speak, but the Spirit of your Father speaking through you. Let's go to verse 26 now. He says, so have no fear of them. Listen to what he says. So have no fear of them. For nothing is covered that will not be revealed or hidden that will not be known. What I tell you in the dark, say in the light, and what you hear whispered, proclaim on the housetops. And do not fear those who kill the body but cannot kill the soul. Rather, fear him who can destroy both soul and body in hell. I want to read verse 28 out of the New Living Translation. That last verse that we read, I want you to listen to it out of the New Living Translation because I want to make sure that you hear what Jesus is saying. He said, don't be afraid of those who want to kill your body for they cannot touch your soul. Fear only God who can destroy both soul and body in hell. So that's how he describes God. Fear the one who can destroy both soul and body in hell. When it was time to teach our kids how to drive, Mandy ever so cleverly put the task in my hands. Probably because when she was learning how to drive, she's told me about the instance where her dad was teaching her how to drive. Now, if you know Mandy's dad, and he was in first service with us today, and he didn't disagree with me at all. If you know Mandy's dad, um, he has a, a quick fuse. And, and so I can only imagine what it was like learning to drive with him. It, it was probably very stressful for my wife. So my wife, knowing me and knowing my personality, she decided she was going to enlist me to teach our kids how to drive. And so we would leave the place where we were living in Country Way at the time, and we, we would go out to Half Moon Station between here and Archer. I don't know if any of you are familiar with Half Moon Station, but at that time there were no houses in Half Moon Station. And so we would go into Half Moon Station, and I would let my kids drive the, the, the roads through there. The roads were already there. There was, there's, a, there's a big cul-de-sac at the end, and, and I would teach them, you know, certain things like the three-point turn and all that kind of stuff as we were going, you know, through this, this future subdivision. And it was a great place to teach them how to drive. Every so often, I would, I would allow them to drive out on the main highways. And so we were leaving our subdivision one time and, and we were getting ready to pull out on, on, on the main road. And I think, I think school had let out. It was busy traffic or something. And, and so we're, we're sitting there and Caleb is driving and I just noticed that Caleb is missing every opportunity to, to get out into the road. And if you've ever seen Caleb drive, he's 21 years old now, and, and Caleb drives at 10 and 2. That's how he drives today, 10 and 2. He's very focused. And so Caleb's at 10 and 2, and he's intent. And, and I'm looking at him, I'm like, son, at some point, you've, you've got to get out there in, in traffic. We've got to go. You know? So when you see an opening, let's take it, Okay. Caleb, at any moment now, son, when you see a break in the traffic, let's, let's go, okay? And I'm looking in the rearview mirror, and, and the traffic is backing up behind us. There's cars behind us. And I know at any moment, somebody's going to start blowing their horn, which that's just going to freak him out, right? And you, they blow the horn, he takes off into traffic and kills both of us, you know? And so I'm like, okay, son, listen to me. I'm going to tell you when to go. Daddy knows. I can judge this, okay? I will not mislead you. 
I want you, when you hear me say go, I want you to give it gas. We're going to pull out there and we're going to get in traffic and we're going to find our place. Are you ready? Are you ready? Yes, sir, I'm ready. I'm ready. Daddy, be careful. Okay, son, you be careful. All right. Ready? Wait, Daddy, wait. No, son, listen to me. When I say go, go. Don't wait, okay? Don't hesitate. Just go. Okay, here we go, son. Are you ready? Daddy, wait. Go! And he pushes the gas and we ease out when he pushes, pushes the brake and then he goes and, and then, and it's not even a stick shift. We are like jerking out into traffic. We finally get out there and, and we're about to get hit. I mean, a truck's coming. We're about to get hit. And he finally gets in there and I just start yelling. I'm just, I'm not lying to you. I'm just telling you because he almost killed me. Okay. So I'm just yelling. I'm like, I said, Caleb, what are you doing? He, he's like, oh, why'd you send me out there? And I said, son, listen, you can trust me. I would never put you in harm's way. I mean, I am yelling at him. Mandy knew this was going to happen. She knew this. And I'm saying, son, if you would just listen to me, I would never put you in harm's way. I've never put me in harm's way, okay? You can trust me on this. And when I say go, son, you have to go, but you have to trust me. You have to commit or you can kill both of us. And Jesus, in Matthew chapter 10, he outlines the dangers that these disciples are about to face as he sends them out for the first time on their own. And he tells them things like this. He says, you're going to face rejection. There's going to be some people that you go to and they don't want to hear your message. They don't want to hear what you have to say. And you've got to be willing to exit that home and exit that town and just shake the dust off your feet and just keep on moving because I've got another plan for you. But you've got to realize you're about to face rejection. He tells them, he says, listen, it's going to be an injustice to you. It's going to be an injustice. You're going to get out there and it's not going to be fair at all. But I'm preparing you for this. He, He says, some of you are going to face physical harm. They're gonna take you into their synagogues and they're going to flog you. You ever been flogged? I've never been flogged. I think I know what flogging is. It doesn't sound fun at all, okay? He says some of you are going to be flogged. They're gonna take you captive, take you into their synagogues and they are going to beat you, okay? Some of you are going to face physical harm and then he follows with this, Matthew 10 and 28 again. Don't be afraid of those who want to kill your body. They cannot touch your soul. Fear only God who can destroy both soul and body in hell. These are some of the strongest words that that Jesus used. And I can almost hear the disciples saying, okay, okay, wait, wait, Jesus. Back up just a second. Wait, are we talking about the same God This guy that you keep calling heavenly father, is this the one that we're talking about? Because this doesn't feel like a father at all. Uh, You know, is he the one that you said would extend mercy into our lives? Are we talking about the same guy? Is this the guy that extends grace? Because this doesn't sound like the one that you described to us. Is this the God of love that we're talking about? Why are you telling me to fear God, Jesus? Why are you telling us this? And then you throw in this phrase that, that it, he is the one who can destroy both the body and the soul. And he's going to do it in hell. He's going to send us to hell to do this. Why are you telling us to fear God? And the scriptures are very clear, church. That wisdom begins with fearing God. That when you come to God and you start this journey, wisdom begins 
in fearing God. Listen to what the Old Testament says, Proverbs 1 and 7. The fear of the Lord is the beginning of knowledge. Fools despise wisdom and instruction. Then in Psalm 111 and 10, it says the fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom. All those who practice it have a good understanding. His praise endures forever. In Proverbs 9 and 10, it says the fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom and the knowledge of the Holy One is insight. So it's very plain that the fear of the Lord where you start this journey, the fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom. This is where it starts. And as I've stated throughout this series, fear is not always bad. There's some fear that is just healthy for us. Fear can alert us to, to danger. Fear, fear can keep reminding us that we're walking too close to the edge. Fear can keep us from making the same mistakes. Fear can keep us within safe boundaries. We need healthy fear in our lives. You see, when I first started driving, I developed very quickly this healthy fear of law enforcement. Because when I was 16 years old, and I just got my, my operators, my, my driver's license, um, I was going down Baya Avenue in, in Lake City, and apparently you cannot go 60 miles per hour in a 45 mile, miles per hour zone, okay? It's, it's, it's frowned upon. They don't like that. And I had no respect for law enforcement at that moment. It wasn't that I was disrespectful. I just didn't realize that, that they could write such healthy tickets. And so I got my first ticket, and I was 16 years old. I didn't want to have to explain this to my mom and dad, and I had to, and that was a tough conversation. And, 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 and then they, they told me that I had to sign up for these, these driving classes that I would have to go to and take these driver's classes so that the, the, the penalty would be reduced and I wouldn't get points on my license. And there in those driver's classes, they told me that if I got 12 points against my license, that they would take my license away. This was not good knowledge for me. I, I, so through this, I developed a healthy fear for law enforcement. I, I came to the understanding that they're there to make us obey the laws that, that have been put in place. And therefore, if I'm speeding, they have the ability to, to give me a ticket. And, and it can cost me some money. Um, I, I come to realize very quickly that, that they could cause me to have to pay for my driving mistakes. Now... I'm 43 years old today. I know I don't look it. I'm amazing. And, and, but I'm 43 years old. Do you think that I still drive around with that same fear of law enforcement? No, I see it differently now. It, it's a healthy respect. When I was 16, after that ticket, I would drive around and, and, and I'm constantly looking in the mirror to see if they're following me. I'm looking on the sides of the roads. I was making sure that every stop sign I pulled up to, that I would put my brake on and I would feel it stop and rock backwards before I would proceed through the stop sign. You know, all of those things that you need to be doing. And I was paying attention to every little detail. But now, at 43 years old, I've got a healthy respect for them. I know if I break the law, I know that they have every right in the world to give me a ticket. I know that. I tend to speed a little bit more through Gilchrist County because I got more friends there on, you know, but, but it, it works. It works. Our relationship with God 
often begins with fear. Most of us in the room, our relationship with God began with fear. I'll be the first to admit in this room that the greatest need in my life at the time of my repentance was to be rescued from hell. That's all I could think about. I don't want to go to hell. Therefore, I need to give my life to Jesus Christ, make him the savior of my life and receive his forgiveness for my sins. Why? Because hell is real and I don't want to go there. And so it was fear. Fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom, right? This is where it begins. The fear that can destroy both soul and body, it left me to, to, to the, 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 it led me to repent of my sins. Now, listen, when my children were young, they feared me, and this caused them to obey me. Some of you in the room, you're going to disagree with my parenting advice here, but it's okay. Um, I've got the microphone right now, and, and when you have the microphone, you can share your parenting advice. It's just going to be in a different church. But... When my children were young, they did. They feared me. And listen, this is the greatest word of advice for any of you parents in, your, in the room. Make your children fear you, okay? This is important, especially when they're young. I remember when they started crawling, Mandy and I refused to take the, the little whatnots. Anybody, anybody know what whatnots are? You know what whatnots? Some, everybody like 30 and under, they're like, huh? I know, I feel like I'm in 1955, right? Hurry, Marty, get to the DeLorean. We got to go back to the future, you know. So, whatnots, breakables, the, the pretty little things that your granny has setting out, you know, that, that she, does, she doesn't want your kids to break, you know. Some people have this mindset. When they start crawling and they can reach those things, let's remove the temptation. Let's, let's put things up higher. You do realize one day they're going to start walking, right? And when they start walking, they can reach higher, so then you're going to have to teach them then. Soon you're just going to be putting things up on the roof if you don't stop, okay? So you've got to teach them early. And so Mandy and I, we said, nope, we're, we're not going. We're not going to move those things. And so when, when the kids were little and they would crawl over and, and start touching Mandy's whatnots, the, the unbreakable items, uh, or the, the items that we don't want to be broken, rather, when they, when they start touching those things, we would reach over and we would, we would slap their little hands. And sometimes it would leave like finger marks on their hands. I know, it's, it's abuse today, right? I know. And they'd pull their hand back. And I remember Kendall, she had that little, that little quiver in her lips. The next time they did it, we would not go over there and tell them no again. If they did it again, we didn't slap them on their hand. This time we spanked their little bottoms. I know, it's horrible parenting, right? <laughs> Spare the rod, spoil the child. It just feels like it, it should be in the Bible, right? I don't know. We, we believed in it, and, and that's how we would, and, and they were fearful of the consequences of disobeying and touching mommy's breakable items there. We did not want them to touch those things. Some parents removed the temptation. We controlled our kids with fear. That's how we did it. I'm not saying I'm the best parent, but I'm, I am good at it. And there were consequences when they would not obey. Listen, fear of daddy is the beginning of wisdom in the McKinley household. It's the way it works. I'm concerned today with, with parents 
that prefer not to allow their children to fear them. I see articles. Don't let your children become fearful of you. They say that it creates stress, anxiety, insecurity. Before Christ, I was stressed worrying about hell. Before Christ, I had anxiety about my sin. Before Christ, I was insecure in who I had become, and I needed Jesus to come and change me. You see, God does not parent the same way that we want to parent sometimes. Amen, pastor. The fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom. When you are young in Christ, this is what it takes. I was scared to death of going to hell. I didn't want to go to hell. And so I know I needed Jesus Christ, and, and, and that's what saved me. Jude 1 and 23 says that some people will be pulled from the flames because of fear. I'm some people. I'm one of those people. The fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom. And, and, and at the beginning of my journey, I was fearful of dying and going to hell without Jesus. I, I needed Jesus in my life. And so it, it pulled me from the flames right there. That's how it started with me. But the fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom. It's not the end. This is where it starts. You, you need that fear. Because you don't understand what's happening. You don't understand the severity. The fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom. But it's not the end. This is just where it starts. And I can tell you now. I was 16 years old when I gave my heart to Christ. I can tell you now, at 43, the fear of the Lord looks completely different in my life than it did then. It's not the same. I've grown, I've matured in my fear of the Lord. I don't view God anymore as some judgmental deity that wants to barbecue my butt. Some of you do. You feel like with every mistake that that's what's gonna happen. Some of you, you feel like you have to come to church and get saved every week because you don't understand God's grace in your life. My view of God and my fear of God, it grew, it matured. The fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom, but, 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 but my fear of the Lord now looks different than it did when it first started. Listen to Psalm 2 and 11. It says, serve the Lord with fear and rejoice with trembling, how can you put those words in the same sentence, rejoicing and trembling? How can you serve the Lord with fear and then rejoice, but rejoice with trembling? You're in awe of God when that happens. It's a respect. It's not the same fear that brought you to Christ. It's a reverence now. It's not the same fear that said, if you don't get this right, you're going to die and go to hell. No, my concern with my life anymore is not dying and going to hell. But yet I've got a holy reverence for God now in my life. In the words of John Newton, when he wrote the amazing song, Amazing Grace, he says, "'Twas grace that taught my heart to fear." The fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom. It's here that grace teaches my heart to fear. I don't want to go to hell. 
But then he continues to write. "'Twas grace that taught my heart to fear, and grace my fears relieved." It started with fear, but now it's reverence. It started with fear, but now, God, I'm just in awe of you. I'm no longer scared of God. I know, I know that statement alone scares some of you. That's why we have a buffer between the stage and you in case it strikes me. It doesn't travel to you, right? I'm no longer afraid of God. Let me tell you what I'm afraid of. I'm now scared of not being close enough to him. Because he says, my sheep will know my voice and a stranger they will not follow. So now I'm not afraid of him. I'm afraid of being too far from him. I'm not afraid of God. I'm scared of disappointing him because I know that he has plans for my life. And so that's what I'm fearful of. God, I want to please you. He's not angry with me. He's hurt when I don't get it right. I'm not afraid of God. I'm scared of letting him down. I'm scared. I wake up every morning with this fear of not fulfilling what he's called me to do. The fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom. But now I stand with a different type of fear. My fear has matured. It has grown And I'm just simply in awe of him and I cannot believe that he gives me the opportunity to do what I do. And I'm fearful of not walking out those plans that he has for me. I'm not scared of him. I'm simply in awe of him. And the enemy has tried to keep some of you stuck in the beginning and the fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom it has to happen, it has to take place you're pulled from the flames because of fear but the enemy wants some of you stuck right here and every time you mess up you're worried about God's judgment and his wrath upon your life therefore if you are in Christ Jesus you have no condemnation Some of you, you've simply just got to graduate. You've got to move on. The fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom, but there's so much more in your walk with Christ. You've got to get past this stage where you're just worried about God's judgment, his wrath upon your life, and you've got to grow and you've got to mature. 1 John 4 and 18 says, there is no fear in love. Listen to this. There is no fear in love, but perfect love casts out fear. For fear has to do with punishment, and whoever fears has not been perfected in love. I started here, but on my walk and my journey with Christ, I'm here. My fear of God has been perfected in his love. My children, they no longer fear me. And some of you parents, listen to me closely. You're going to learn from this one. It's not even a parenting series, but you're going to get this one. This past month, my children turned 21 years old. They no longer fear me, not the way they used to. 
They're not worried about daddy spanking them, though I will if I need to. (laughs) Now they fear disappointing me. It's different. Now we have adult conversations about life, about school, about mistakes. It's different now. They still respect me, but it's not like it was when they were just little kids learning to crawl, getting their hands slapped. We've grown in our relationship with each other. And I've always said this, parents, listen, parents who don't try to be their friends or be friends with their kids, they get to be friends with their kids when they become adults. That's what Mandy and I are finally starting to experience right now. We didn't try to be friends here. That relationship grew and it matured with them and with us. And now we get to be friends. And for the first time in our lives, now we finally get to be friends with our kids. And as we grow and mature in Christ, we go from the fear of the Lord to the beginning of wisdom to being in awe and in reverence of him. And over here, we get to be friends with him. In John 15 and 15, Jesus says these words. He says, no longer do I call you servant. You know what that means? At one time, he called you servant. He says, no longer do I call you that. A a servant is scared of their master. He says, no longer do I call you servant. For the servant does not know what the master is doing. But I have called you friends. This is where you want to be. You want to be a friend of God. He says, I have called you friends for all that I have heard from my father I have made known to you. So the beginning of the week in July of 2005 found us at Slide Rock right outside of Sedona, Arizona and I was terrified, I was shaking and I could not jump off the cliff. The end of the week after we had worked the camps all week We all jumped in two vans and we took off to Flagstaff, Arizona. We went north. We continued through Flagstaff and we got to the southern rim of the Grand Canyon. We piled out of the vans, got out of the vans, and we start walking on the sidewalk, a safe distance from the the ledge. Now, I'm responsible now for 30 35-ish students and chaperones. And we're walking and we get to this area where the sidewalk turns and the canyon actually turns and the railing stops and now there is this, this huge cliff. It's flat and it's sticking out over the Grand Canyon. And there's nobody there. There's no railing. There's nothing. And, and so I just took off running. I was like, you know what? I didn't do it at the beginning of the week. Here I am, there's supposed to be a river down below somewhere and I just take off running and I just jump. That didn't happen at all, nothing like that. I would hardly take 20 steps out on this ledge. It it was scary, but a bunch of my kids did. 
bunch of my students, they did, and they went out there, and I'm scared. I'm like, oh, God, what am I going to do if one of them falls? This canyon is deep. It's called the Grand Canyon for a reason. It's grand, you know, it's huge. And I'm scared. I'm scared. And so I start yelling at them. I'm like, get back over here. Did I tell you you can go over here? Get over here. Where's your buddy? Grab somebody by the hand. You know, get over here. And so they start walking back over and they're a little freaked out, but I'm scared of height. So, you know, I'm projecting my fear onto them at this moment. And so they, they start moving over everyone except the pastor's son, the pastor that I was working for. I'm the youth pastor. And he's standing out there and he turns around and he says, just a minute. Pastor's kids are awful. And I remember, he said, just a minute. And he turned around and he yelled into that canyon. I mean, you just, you couldn't see all the way across. It's just, and he yells and he says, my name is Philip, 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 Philip. And I'm single, 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 single. And he turns around and so help me God. This group of cheerleaders come down the sidewalk. We're at the Grand Canyon. And the cheerleaders come down the sidewalk and they all flood this cliff where he's standing and he's in the middle of them and he's like. <laughs> so every single kid in my youth group starts going over. I'm Bill. I'm Sam. No, I'm just kidding. They didn't do that. So we're standing there. I've got everybody back now and we're, we're at a safe observation area and I'm looking at the Grand Canyon. And if you've never been there, it looks fake. It, it does not look real. It looks like a painting. It's very real, but it looks fake. And I'm sitting there looking at, at it. And, and I know that I respect it enough not to get up to the, to the ledge there's, there's a line drawn. And if you step over that line, you die. But there's a ledge. And so for me, this is about where I want to be from the ledge. And I'm standing there and I'm looking at the Grand Canyon. And I think to myself, how glorious. How magnificent. I was in awe. Is that not the relationship that we should have with God? That if we get too close to the, to the ledge, we know this is sinful. This breaks the heart of God. This puts distance between me and my Savior. But when I stay back from it, I can look and see the splendor and the magnificence and I can stand back and be in awe of God. That's our lives. It begins with the fear of the Lord as the beginning of wisdom. And it ends here in this moment of awe where he says, you, you used to be my servant. But now I call you friend. Thank you for listening to the podcast of DCC. For service times and directions, log on to www.destinycommunitychurch.org. Thanks again for listening.